Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Present Company. I'm your host, Krista Smith. Today, we are wrapping up season three of the show, which is kind of incredible to me since uh, I left Vanity Fair and, and started as a contractor over at Netflix. The first thing they asked me to do day one was start a podcast. So I went in completely blind and started a podcast. And here we are almost 100 episodes later and certainly three years later. As always, thank you so much for listening. We're a tiny podcast team here at Present Company, and it means so much that you take the time to share part of your day with us. So I'm going to share part of my day with you. My fantastic producer, Isabel Arricchio, can you please come to the mic and say hello to everybody? Hi, everybody. Thank you so, so much for listening to the show. It really does mean so much to us. And we love getting to share these conversations and stories with you. And we can't wait to continue to share them in 2022. Next, I'm just going to have you say hello to everybody. Dave Corwin, our amazing engineer and also probably one of the most patient human beings. We got him to travel with us. He came to Colorado, got a nice road trip out of it. We would be nowhere without you, Dave. So just come on and say hi. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. In addition to all of the fantastic conversations this season, it was particularly special because it was the first time that we chose to implement an overarching theme for the season. I really wanted to evolve the podcast into something more universal. I wanted to create some kind of theme that everyone could rally around. I always ask about advice, and I think that's very important in the artistic world because it can be incredibly demoralizing, and it's a very tough business. But I wanted to push it a little further. I started the podcast in the summer, late in the summer of 2019, and you know, before we knew it, we were in a first-time-ever global pandemic and the world shut down. And for those of you faithful listeners, you know that I started recording out of my closet in March of 2020 and continuing the show. But there was this underlying anxiety and fear and newness. All of us were experiencing something first as a community, then as a city, then as a state, then as a country, then as a world, this universal experience of the unknown. And I thought, what if I take my own personal anxiety and thoughts and fear and weave it into my in, into conversations on the show. Once our theme of fear was established, I spent a portion of each interview talking with my guests about their relationship to it. So in celebration of those answers and the end of our season three, I have gathered some of the most impactful responses that were shared. So live from Telluride with Dakota Johnson, very exciting to see you here in this environment. How's your relationship with fear these days? Like, how are you feeling? There are times when I drown in it. I drown. And I think that that's okay. Because if I felt fine all the time, like, I'm also so porous. Mm -hmm. I just was working with this girl who played my daughter, a 14-year-old who played my daughter, which I was like, ooh. Okay. Um, but she, and she's 17 in real life, but she's autistic and she's one of the most magnificent people I've ever met. And we were talking about, we were just kind of like tripping out together on what it means to like be a human mm -hmm. on a planet and like, what are we doing? And everywhere you turn is, is violence, horrific violence and people being 
horrendous and hatred mm -hmm. and control. And there's no escaping it. You can't be like, oh, I'll just go, you know, to, I'll live here, I'll go there, I'll go, whatever. And, and then you also feel like I'm just a little human. No matter how loud my voice can be, I would have to scream and yell my whole life in order to make just a little indentation, mm -hmm. a little movement. Mm -hmm. But then there's the part of me, and I remember there's this Hunter Thompson quote. I, I grew up in Woody Creek right near Hunter. And he has a quote that says, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. Mm. And that's where I'm like, that's, that's my little road. That is like, the world is really bad. And a lot of people are really bad, but then there are a lot of people that are really good and they just have to keep doing the good, keep fighting the good fight. Like if it's weird out there, then get weirder and figure out a way to be louder. James, very nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you, Krista. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about The Harder They Fall. You had to do your make your feature film debut in the middle of COVID with a massive cast of giants, okay? You know, we didn't even get into Idris Elba and, and Regina and all of those and Lakeith and whatnot, but you're dealing with a, a large cast with lots of stories that are happening simultaneously and, and, and characters and all of that. But you persevered through that and the music and everything. So for you, James, what is your relationship with fear right now? How do you feel? How do you get, how do you break through it? How do you live in it? You know, how do you work with it? Just talk to me. Okay. It's a really interesting thing. And it's really strange that you asked that question because I always talk to people about fear always fear of rejection, fear of acceptance, fear of, of failure. And I don't have those things because I grew up in Mozart state where fear, you'd be fearing for your life. In those areas, I don't have them. I think it's, it's perspective. I put things into, into perspective and, and nothing would, um, would compare to, in that regard, to what I experienced just growing up, like being around the environment that I was in. Incidentally though, we do all have fears. I'm scared of the dark. Up to now, I'm scared of the dark, right? The first song I ever wrote for someone was a girl called Emiliana Torini. She's an amazing singer-songwriter from Iceland. She sung, sung Gollum's theme on Lord of the Rings. This lady's amazing, she's Grammy nominated. Amazing, she asked me to write a song for her. This is probably like 2007 or something. I was a kid and I wrote her this song called Serenade. And the whole song is about me being afraid of the dark. It's like a folk lullaby. And I'm really afraid of the dark. Like if I'm sleeping by myself, there's going to be some kind of light coming in. And the song goes, Moonlight falling, picturesque in its stance, midnight calling, New light shadows start to dance For the dark finds ways of being Engraved in the light And the heart bears indentations Of yesterday's hurting child The now we will run with smiles The morrow will heal the night For 
Morning comes, midnight, make fast with the sun. I can hear my name be reborn on the cloud within the sky beneath the dawn. Oh, I serenade the dawn. And it's about me being a child in the dark and not uh, being able to wait for the sun to come out to end. And I still have that fear today. And that fear of the dark is a bizarre thing because I can't even find reason for it. But the fear of the dark is is as prominent and as real as someone else's fear of failure, as someone else's fear of rejection. Fear of failure, like, it has no... No power, like fear of rejection. Invite rejection in and sit down. You know the girl you, we used to like when we were kids and we were scared to talk to? Okay, but invite rejection in, sit it down. You'd realise it's just a powerless, invisible force. It's like we give power to all of these things. There's no logic why I should be afraid of the dark. Krista, I am afraid of the dark. If you turn off all the lights now, I'm bouncing. But I have to go to sleep every night so I have, to, I have to deal with it and I deal with it Krista every single night like what do you do you have a yeah. night light or you sleep 15 <laughs> I have 15 light lights I call it the light switch quick I'm just sleeping with the, with the light on cheers Olivia Coleman cheers it's great to see you great Thank to you. see you in New York thank you so much it's for making lovely the to time. be here I'm asking everybody this season what is your relationship with fear and how has it kind of changed in the last bit or with maturity or in the oh, that's interesting fear yes my fear of there being further to fall that's that's very I feel that <laughs> I, I I fear actually being recognizable as well which is um it's become bigger and it actually people in America to my experience are much classier about it than people in the UK I was in Central Park with Jesse. We're going, look where we are in New York. Central Park's so exciting with a coffee. And we felt very cool. And this guy walked past and went, oh, oh, hi, it's nice to meet you. And just carried on. And that was so nice. It was obviously, OK, I've recognised who you are. But he didn't go, can I have a photograph? I, I, over the past five years, I've discovered panic attacks, which I've never had before. But I, the fear of going out. I've left London now. That is a big fear, which I don't want. And I want to learn from other people how they deal with it. Welcome, Jake Gyllenhaal. How are you feeling about fear these days, Jake? I mean, I think it's 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 safe in an artistic space to move through fear. I mean, that's like that's what's so wonderful about being an interpreter of other people's words, you know. And when you're a performer, I mean, that's what you are. More and more, what I love about getting older is that as I get scared or as I feel terror, fear, I always know that our our desire generally, particularly if it's coming from inside of us, is to run away from it, to do what we can to avoid that. And that has never been a successful run for me. <laughs> Learned that really, really uh, uh, way too many times um, have I missed out on that. And oftentimes I just, I know in my bones now, you turn around and you look right at it. And so often the size of what it is in a shadow is not what it is when you look at it in, in reality. And so I just turn around and I look at it and it always deepens me. Viola Davis, thank you so much for making the time to come and talk with me. Congratulations on 
all of your nominations that you have received you. for your performance in this film, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is very exciting. So I'm just going to get right into it with you. What were the emotions that were churning through your body when you first got this script and you knew that you were going to play Ma or it was offered to you? Well, it's the emotion that always is my first emotion with anything because I'm an actor. I, the imposter syndrome is very real for actors. <laughs> so the first emotion is always fear. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's fear. It's, it's fear that, you know, you, you're not going to get it right. Fear that you're going to have, you know, you're going to face the criticism, you know, which in hindsight is ridiculous because you're always going to have people who don't like you. It's just, you know, the, but when, but there is an innate need in actors and anyone to be loved <laughs> present. And I love an Anne Lamott quote, great writer, very spiritual woman. And she says, courage is fear said with prayers. Mm. And that's what it feels like when you're an actor. It's because let's be honest, you're putting yourself on the line. Um, because you're using yourself, you're using you, you your heart, um, everything that's inside of you. It's, it's, it's an exposing. So the fear absolutely doesn't go away. You just, you're not, you, you may not be crippled by it, but it's ever present. And really for me, it lets me know that I'm pushing myself at least and um, that I'm not always going to get everything right, but at least I'm going to run that ball. Mm. Even if I'm running it in the wrong direction, I'm running with it. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. Andrew Garfield, I'm so happy to see you. Fear is an intrinsic part of an artist's life. When I talk to actors and, and filmmakers, it's the fear of, I don't think I can do this, so I have to do it. Um, yeah. This part scares me. So I'm kind of curious for you, Obviously, it had to punctuate moments of catharsis and joy for you, obviously. How do you deal with that mix of, of fear for you? And what is fear? How does it manifest for you now? I'm, I'm on an edge here in this question where I, I want to talk about something that is inferior. It's the only way of really answering this question, honestly. So I will. Everything changed for me. Bef just before COVID when my mother passed away. Hmm. Um, and she had been sick for a long time with a really, really hot, with pancreatic cancer, really, really horrible um, bout of pancreatic cancer. And she fought and she tried to stay alive for a year and a half. And then ultimately she that it was her time to go and she couldn't, she couldn't, um, it was, it was just her time to go. I won't go into the details, but that experience has created a new foundation or, an, or it's brought me down to a new bedrock of, of what it is to be alive and understanding of myself and life itself and death, you know, mm -hmm. I've lost people. I lost Mike. We all lost Mike and people that knew him 
to differing degrees lost him in deeper or lighter ways. I've lost other friends to addiction, suicide, lost grandparents, but there's something else that happens when it's a parent, specifically your mother, I think. I'll speak for myself. And, you know, she was someone who had a real lust and longing to live fully. And like all of us had our, had her own limitations and, and fears around um, whether or not she would allow herself to do that. So I'm in the rubble of that. I'm in the rubble of, well, now I know that this doesn't last forever. The person that brought me life is no longer here in this, on this incarnate plane. And it's the worst thing I can imagine going through at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of me that is also kind of saying in response to your question, well, what is there to fear now? If that thing that was the most terrible thing that could imaginable that, that has now happened. And I'm, I have a certain amount of peace with it and a certain amount of, of, um, angst with it still, of course, it's, it's, it's hard to fully accept. And the other mysterious thing of it being that way around is the best case scenario, meaning me losing her is a, a tale as old as time. <laughs> it's like, this is, this has been happening. Sons and daughters have been losing their mothers and their fathers since the dawn of time. And yet when it happens, it feels totally singular and totally um, impossible at the time, in the moment. And, and yeah, it's, it's the design, it's the setup. So, so that's happened. So I think it's given me a bit more of a integrated acceptance of living with fear, of living and stepping into, as you say, stepping into the, the type of fear that says, oh, you have to go there. You have to go to the place where because that's where you are going to grow and that's where you are going to become more of what you are already. Halle Berry, it is always a delight to see you whenever I see you, but I'm especially excited to talk to you about this film, Bruised, which you star in, which we're all accustomed to seeing you star in movies. But the first here is that you directed this film. How did you work through that fear? How did you get to the point where you were able to show up with confidence on that day, first day of shooting, and say, action? You know, I think fear has been a big part of my life, you know, from a child throughout my career. And fear as a child, I was born into a family with an alcoholic father that was very abusive at times. And so I've dealt with fear and I've had to walk through fear and manage my fear for my survival. So I'm used to managing fear. When it came to this fear that sat down on me with this huge undertaking that now, you know, I was gifted with, I've been fearful my whole career. I've had to make a way out of nowhere. I've had to take chances and take risks and, you know, take parts that maybe I didn't want to take, but I had no choice but to take. There was fear that this would end my career. I remember when I said yes to Monsters Ball, when I fought to get that role, everybody said to me, this role could end your career, you know, with the nature of, you know, some of the the sex scenes. And I was a young actor and, but I've always been like a moth to a flame. Fear doesn't, 
stifle me. It actually ignites me. Once I get past the initial feeling of the fear and I let it roll over me, then I go right towards it. And I manage to just walk through it. I left the world of professional wrestling as their top draw. Mm -hmm. And that in any other world, and I'm sure to many other people, why would you leave that? But I was nervous because at that time when I made the transition to Hollywood after the Scorpion King, the rest of the movies that I was doing at that time, uh, they weren't making any money. They had a B-movie feel to them. And um, you started to see the tea leaves and these cards that were laid out. And you start to go, I don't know if there's longevity in that guy's career. So I was really nervous. I was also going through a divorce at that time, trying to figure out my shit. What kind of father am I going to be now? And I thought, man, did, am I going to end up with the same kind of relationship that my that I have with my dad it was a complicated relationship. It's going through all this shit, trying to figure it all out, mm -hmm. trying to figure it all out. So there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of vulnerability. So yeah, the fear was there. But once I had the moment of clarity, I thought I'm not going to be scared. I, at least uh, if I fail, I'm going to fail going out on my shield here mm -hmm. in Hollywood. And if I make it, then we'll see what happens. Everybody tuning in, you are in for a treat because I have Adam McKay, one of the most brilliant minds ever, I would say, of any generation. I just think you are exceptional on every level. And you have a new movie, Don't Look Up, which you also wrote and directed. For you, Adam, how, what's your relationship like with fear these days? So, yeah, I've definitely, like a lot of us, gotten a, <laughs> a lot closer to the notion of fear. I mean, let's just call it like it is. That pandemic was terrifying. I mean, WHO estimates that, what, between 15 and 20 million people have died worldwide. We've had, I lost a really close friend, our music supervisor on the movie, Hal Wilner, the movie's don't Look Up is dedicated to him. Old friend of mine, 25 years I'd known how. We lost some relatives. We've had friends who have lost people. We're also looking at this climate crisis, which is truly, truly terrifying. I always go back to there's a boxing trainer named Teddy Atlas who uh, trained a bunch of guys back in the 80s and 90s into the 2000s. He had one of the greatest lines I ever heard where someone said, would you rather have a boxer who's afraid or a boxer who's not afraid. And he just, without hesitation, he said, oh, a boxer who's afraid. He's like, fear is a power. He, well, you look at a deer in a field, and when it hears a noise, you look at that blazing speed with which it darts away, you can't even see it, it moves so fast. He's, he, he said, that's what fear can do for you. Fear is a power when it's translated into action. And that's really the trick. And that's what I'm trying to learn. And that's what I've been working on is that the fear we're feeling when it's translated to action can be really powerful. It's when we let the fear pummel us that it can become destructive, that it can turn into stress, that it can turn into avoidance. Um, so that's really how I kind of look at the times that we live in right now. We can do this. We can deal with the climate crisis. We have the science. We are dealing with the pandemic. We created a vaccine in record time. Life is starting to return to normal. And yeah, I know there's people out there that are confused about the science and yelling about having to wear a mask. But for the large part, for most of the planet, we are dealing with it. And so that that's kind of the lesson I'm trying to learn from this time. And I don't always adhere to it. There are days I get just straight up freaked out. Um, but I, I, I think that's where we're headed. I think we're, we're going to take action and we can do this. 
Joey King, welcome to Present Company. Thank you so much for joining me. Joey wrote it a great first-person essay about being in lockdown for InStyle. And I thought that was really good and brave of you. I, I will just commend you on that. I know it was like over a year ago, right? Thank it was kind you. of at the beginning. But I thought that was uh, very honest. And we really got a glimpse into you. And it was very unifying. <laughs> because <laughs> oh, we were all feeling, we were feeling those emotions and for you to articulate it. But can you talk about how, how is uh, your relationship with fear these days? I started therapy this year, this past year in 2020. And I'd never done therapy before. And I think it's amazing, but I clearly was kind of uh, fearing it for some reason. And I didn't know why. And I started and I was like, okay, like I see why I feared it, but I'm really happy I did this. And then I just kind of throughout the year had little moments where I was confronting different things that I think I was scared of and um, whatever it may be, something that like you can't even put a word to, you don't really know how to describe it. Um, but I think the biggest fear of mine this, this past year was just like the weird self-doubt that has bubbled up every now and then. Um, and like, I'm able to like say out loud why I shouldn't be self-doubting, why, why I'm grateful for the things that I have and why I like feel like, you know, self-doubt is only getting in my way and I have to separate myself from that thought. But you know, it's really, really tough. So my relationship with fear is, uh, is kind of just, you gotta let it happen sometimes. It's, you can't always, be the superhero for yourself and try to, you know, my whole thing is try to separate yourself from your thoughts. Just see them as what they are and just try to let them pass by, try to let them go. And that works sometimes. And meditation helps so much and finding a really lovely playlist helps so much, but there's, you just, sometimes you just have to feel the fear and it sucks, but you, you gotta, you gotta let it pass through you and not just pass by you every now and then. Benedict, how are you feeling about what is your relationship with fear right now? I mean, you know, fear can be a really unhealthy driver. I've, I've, I've found. I mean, I. But then again, it, it's 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 taken me on a massive amount of adventure and made me make choices that I wouldn't have done without wanting to see what was beyond that fear. So. But if it's constantly propelling you, I think you can you can dull your sensibility. You can get to a place where you're constantly trying to be um, uncomfortable and not really listen to who you are and where you're at. And it could be a way it could be a way of screening that. You know, just literally like I get a charge at the world and just take it all on and overprogram. And I've definitely done that in the past. And I think what's happening now is I'm just mellowing a bit and going, okay. There's time, and I've had a lot of time, but there's more time, and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think what lockdown did for me is just maybe able to sit with that and hear myself much more clearly than I had done in the kind of furore of work and life and the pace of it all. And I think, yeah, I mean, I'm... I don't talk about my family, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad, that's known, and, you know, any parent knows that... <laughs> There's anxiety there that is not there before you become a parent. Um, that's as sort of obvious as I'll get about talking about that because obviously I like to keep that part of my life um, where it is and not in the public eye. So there's that part of me. Um, as far as work and choices, I feel... Oh, gosh, I mean, this is 
daft thing to say after what I've said about fear, but I feel kind of fearless at the moment. I mm-hmm. really do. I feel really emboldened, not just by this experience and what we've all been through in this film, but um, just where I'm at in life, I guess. I feel more capable of dealing with the fact that it's all right if people don't agree with you or don't like you, or and it's all right to say no, and it's all right to be yourself. And I, you know, These are all lessons that were sort of profoundly impactful in the portrayal of Phil and the tragedy of him um, and that whole experience and as me as an actor being brought out into into realms that I hadn't discovered yet or, or been tested by and I feel pretty fearless um, yeah thanks so much for joining me please subscribe rate and review this podcast wherever you've been listening you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith Join me next time for more conversations here at Present Company.